What you focus on in life will greatly impact the quality of your life. If you focus on everything that you don't have, your existence will largely be miserable. If you focus on what you don't have, you're, you're not going to have a good time. Here's how it works. You focus on everything that you don't have, and your mind and emotions will wreak havoc in your life and in your soul, in your spirit. You start thinking about what you don't have. You look to your neighbor. You look to what they have. You say, well, I don't have those types of clothes, or I don't drive that type of car. I wish I had a new one. And you begin to focus on what you don't have, and you will shortly convince yourself that you've got some severe problems because you don't have. When you have those perceived problems, they rise to front and center in your mind. They rise to front and center in your life, and you begin to be anxious about those things. You begin to have those things be having a place of prominence in your life, in your mind. You think all kinds of things. You ask yourself questions. Yes, you do. You ask yourself questions. Why don't I have those clothes? That car, that job, why am I not included in that crowd? Why don't I have those friends? And anxiousness sets in, and when anxiousness and worry set in, they control your life, and they set the atmosphere of your life. Now, Jesus, here in our, in our study, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been addressing those who would come into and be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And, and he's been addressing us in this Sermon on the Mount, and he addresses this fundamental issue for the kingdom citizen. If you get hold of the teaching tonight, this passage of Scripture that we're going to go over, that Jesus taught his disciples and will teach us tonight, if you get hold of this teaching of Jesus, I believe it can and will revolutionize your life on a day-to-day -day basis. It will transform you from a person of worry to a person of faith, from a person of the world to a person of the kingdom. There are two points tonight. been trying to keep it simple for all of us, right? Two, two simple points. Two points, they're simple, but they are enormously profound, and they are life-changing to the person who embraces them and lives by them. And here they are. Don't be anxious about life and seek first after the kingdom of heaven. So let's dive in here. Don't be anxious about your life. Let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is to, which is, uh, I'm sorry. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Don't be anxious about your life. Jesus has been teaching in this particular chapter and in this Sermon on the Mount. He's been teaching, he's been addressing and contrasting the difference between the person caught in a focus on the material world, the material things, and the person who has been set free to focus on the spiritual and the eternal. And he has told us these things. He's told us to lay down or to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. He has told us about having single vision in our minds and in, in, in our life, that we have single vision, that our eye is good, that we have single vision to see and to focus on the things that God would have us focus on and to be those people of generosity, not focused on the material, holding on to those things as if we're going to keep them and somehow take them with us when we leave. And he's told us that the choice that every man has is to either serve the Lord or to serve mammon. Now here in our text tonight, Jesus addresses the problem of being so fixated on the material that anxiousness and worry have set in. Jesus' command is for us to not be anxious about life. Do not be anxious about your life. We're not to worry, if we want to use that word, worry. We're not to worry about this life. Now, if you look at that word there in verse 25, he says, do not worry about your life. The word worry there in the Greek language here is is a word that means this. It means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, to care for, to look out for a thing, to, to seek to promote one's interest, caring or providing for. And Jesus uses the word really with the first meaning in mind. We're not to be anxious about our life. We're not to be anxious about the things in our life. That, that, is, that is for something. You, you, you have come into the kingdom of heaven. You have come into a relationship with Christ. You've come into a relationship with God. And, and, and really, we're, we're, we're to be set free from worrying about our life. We're not to be anxious about life, about stuff. We're not to worry about stuff. I mean, we've got to to remind ourselves, stuff is stuff. (laughs) Amen? Yeah, it sounds simple. Sometimes we come to these passages, and and I was just at a a pastor's conference, and you know what? I got reminded about a bunch of stuff that I know. Praise the Lord. But they told it to us again and again and again, and they said, pastors, you need to hear this again. I know you know this. I know you know this. And we know this. But Jesus is telling us once again tonight, we're not to be those that worry about our life. We're not to be those that worry. We're not to be those that are anxious. 
Worry should not be a part of the Christian's life. Why? Because we know that we serve God. We know that we serve God and that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Now, there are two things that Jesus says specifically that we should not worry about. And I think that these are just two things. I don't think that they're, you know, I don't believe it's an exhaustive list. You know, there's many things that you can worry about. But Jesus says, you know, here's, here's a couple things that we're not to worry about. He says, don't worry about food and clothing. And, you know, it, it, in the first century, you could obviously be preoccupied with food and clothing. Today, we can be preoccupied with food and clothing, taking care of the, the necessities, if you will. And, and we're not to be anxious about these things. We're not to worry about these things, food and clothing. These are the two main things that you can purchase at the mall or at the store. You go out and buy clothes, you buy food. And Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about these things. Don't let these things be that much of a concern that you begin to fret and worry about it. It's not that we don't have a care that we're clothed. It's not that, it's, it, he's not trying to tell us, look, you, you, it's not as if you don't have a care about whether you eat today or whether you put clothes on your back and, 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 and whatever. He's saying, don't worry about these things. Don't allow these things to be be, you're so anxious about them that now they have risen to the level where you are now fretting and worrying about these things. Anxious. God is going to take care of us. He's going to be there for us. Jesus gives us two examples of how God takes care of us. The first one is the birds. Verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And so Jesus tells us, he, you know, he's out on a hillside teaching this message, overlooking the Sea of Galilee there in Israel. And he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They, they, they don't, you know, put, put, put things away. They, they go out every day and, 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 and God takes care of them. And, and so the birds are provided for by God, and he takes care of them. Therefore, we should expect that God is going to take care of us. Now, take careful note when you observe a bird. When you observe a bird, and, and I guess there's a whole, it's a whole thing, right? Bird watching, right? So, so Jesus is, is telling us to be a bird watcher here for a minute, and, and, and he's saying, look at the birds. Now, look at these birds. We've got a lot of birds We've got a little sandhill crane family in our backyard, and they just had a baby, and now it's growing up to be like a teenager. And, 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 uh, and, and, and we say hi to them as they pass by the back window and all of it. So we're, we're watching some birds. And one of the things that you look at the birds, and they're, they're not out there fretting around, worrying, anxious about things, but they are busily doing things. They are busily seeking out uh, where that food might be. And so Jesus is not saying, just give no care, just give no concern, you know, don't work. He's saying, look, don't worry about it from a standpoint of being anxious. You need to be, look at the birds, they're, they're busily working and God is taking care of them, God is feeding them. Birds 
Don't just sit there with open mouths expecting God to fill them. I mean, I, I, you know, go over here to the beach and look at the, the uh, seagulls and all of it. They're not flying around just going, ha, ah, you know, God's just dropping in, you know, fish and all kinds of stuff into their mouths. The pelicans are just, no, the pelicans are diving into the water. Go over here and look at it. Amen? It's fun. It's fun to see them. They're, they're going after it. They're, they're doing the work, and God is feeding them. God is taking care of them. And Jesus is saying, look at the birds, and, and, and they're not anxious about things, and God is taking care of them. And you need to realize God's going to take care of you. And so in that sense, we need to be diligent. Now, it's, it's, it's been said that the early bird gets the worm, Right? The early bird gets the worm, and then there's a corollary to that. The second mouse gets the cheese. But I'm not sure how that ties in. But anyways, the early bird, the early bird gets the worm. And, and, and the connotation of that saying is that, yeah, the, the birds are out there, you know, doing the work, and they're being diligent. We need to be diligent. Amen? We need to be diligent. We need to be diligent people. In another place, Jesus commands that we be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so we have that place of, 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 of a dove that is innocent, that is, that, you know, a dove is a symbol of purity, holiness, and, and all that. You see the white dove and all the rest of it. And then you have this contrast, but, but be wise as serpents, right? So we're to be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. So we're to walk in righteousness, we're to walk in purity, but we're also not to be dumb. Amen? We're, we're not to be stupid. Now, I just was in California this week, and I flew into John Wayne International Airport. Yeah, John Wayne International. When you come down into the terminal, there's a big bronze statue of, of the Duke, right? And, and there he is. And, 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 and John Wayne once said, life is hard, and it's even harder if you're stupid. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know, the Lord is saying that we need to be diligent, that we need to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Christian, we need to be smart. We need to be smart. God's not, Jesus here isn't saying, just, just don't worry and just get caution to the wind and, and, and whatever. No, he's saying be smart and don't worry about it because God's going to take care of you and you be diligent in the things that you're called to do. Now, earlier this year, I was on a business trip up in New England, in Boston, and I, and, I, and I learned a little bit of the Bostonian lingo while I was up there. And they, everyone up there, if you're smart, you're not just smart, you're, you're wicked smart, right? You're wicked smart. And I guess wicked is good. I, I, I don't understand it, but it's a New England thing, and when in New England... You're wicked smart. So I went over to Harvard. I walked around. I went over to MIT, and I walked around, and I got wicked smart. <laughs> right? Now, Christian, we need to be wicked smart about a couple things. We need to be smart about the fact that God is going to take care of us. And we need to be smart about being diligent in our lives and in our work. And if we'll do those things, we'll see that God is taking care of us, that he is providing. Now, this week I was in Huntington Beach 
California, and there's this little restaurant right there on Main Street that we first discovered several years ago. We were out there on the beach early in the morning because when you fly out there, first thing, you're like an East Coast person, so you're on East Coast time, and so you're like up at 5 o'clock going, oh, hey, what do we do now? You know, and so we're out there on the beach, and we ran into this guy, and we're like, where is a good place to eat breakfast in Huntington Beach? And he said, Sugar Shack. And we were like, what? And he said, the Sugar Shack. And so every year, the first breakfast, we always have pancakes at Sugar Shack right there on Main Street in Huntington Beach. Now, this past week we were there, and, I, and we were having some pancakes. And if you're ever in Huntington Beach, be sure to get the pancakes at the Sugar Shack. But we noticed this, that um, there was some really smart pigeons uh, <laughs> that were right there because you're sitting outside on the street, and there were some really smart pigeons, and they literally crawled up right underneath Jacob, I had my two sons with me, my two older sons, and, and Jacob was sitting there, and, and these pigeons were basically right, right there. They were under the table, they were under the chair, and they, they were smart. They knew where the food was, right? They weren't dumb. And so we need to be smart, amen? Wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Now, Jesus goes on here, he says about this worrying, he says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Worry, basically, what does it accomplish? Anxiousness. It accomplishes nothing. You know, when we're, we're anxious about stuff and, and we're just on pins and needles trying to figure out, you know, if, if you've ever bought a house and you've been through the whole mortgage process, you know what I'm talking about, right? Especially if it's your first one. Now, I'm not talking to you people that have had, you know, six mortgages and you're just like, yeah, call the bank and we get a mortgage, 30-year fix, 15 this time. You know, I'm talking about that first mortgage that you apply for and you're just on pins and needles. Does anybody get approved? How does this work, you know? And you're anxious about it. What does it accomplish? That anxiousness, that worry, it doesn't accomplish one thing but just making you stressed out. That's all it does. It just probably gets you into all kinds of just knots in, inside and just worrying about it. And we're not to be those type of people. We're to be kingdom citizens. We've got a king who's on the throne. We've got a God who provides. We've got a Lord who's holding this whole world together, and he's got us written and scribed in the palm of his hand. And we've got nothing to worry about. Amen? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? There may be greater sins than worry, but there are none more self-defeating and useless. Just a note on that idea of can add. The ancient Greek may mean adding to life instead of adding to height. You, you think of a stature, you're, you're going to, which, but which of you by worrying can add to a stature? Not really in the sense of height, but in the sense of your life and making it better. And by worrying, you accomplish none of that. Not one bit of it. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, though, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he said this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And so we're not the, the Christian, the kingdom citizen, we're not to be anxious about anything. About anything. I mean, it's, it's actually liberating. It's actually freeing. 
You can, I mean, if you hear this message, if I hear this message tonight, I can walk out of here. I don't have to worry about a thing. I think that's a song. The next thing Jesus says, he says, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. The flowers don't work or spin, and the Father takes care of them. He makes sure that they are clothed. Now, obviously, Jesus is talking about a physical physical clothing, right? I mean, he, he uses the analogy. He says, think of Solomon. Think of Solomon, the king, the, 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 the wealth and the riches and, the, and just the opulence of, of the kingdom of Israel under Solomon. He built the temple. He, he had an ivory tower. The, the, ter, the term his ivory tower actually comes from Solomon because his throne was an ivory throne, and it was several steps up to the top of it, and people would come all around the world, and they would sit and listen to Solomon, and therefore the idea of the, the sitting in the ivory tower and just kind of pontificating the wisdom. And Jesus says, think of Solomon and, and everything that he was arrayed in, and, but look at the flowers. Look at the flowers of the field, and, and, and look... They're here today, and tomorrow they're cut down and, and, and thrown into the fire. They're thrown into the oven. But God has clothed them with, with a glory. He's taking care of them. He's clothed them. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Jesus is talking about a physical clothing here, and he's, he's talking about how we're going to be clothed. But I, I think that there, there's a spiritual point beyond not worrying about clothes. Because when I thought about the clothing issue, I thought about the first clothes. And remember when Adam and Eve sinned and they, the, the kabod, the glory, the light suit that they had was gone and, 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 and they saw the nakedness and the shame and, and, and they hid themselves and the Bible tells us that they sewed fig leaves together. Now I understand fig leaves are not comfortable. In fact, they're like sandpaper. So think about it. The very first clothes were like sandpaper. Fashion actually went soaring high after that. <laughs> and you know how that fashion soared high? Because their God clothed them. Their God clothed them. He skin those animals, and he provided. The blood of that animal was shed. It's a picture. It's, a, it's the first picture of the atonement and the clothing of sin and shame that we see in the Scripture. And he clothed them. And just as he clothed Adam and Eve and covered their sin and shame, don't you worry. You put your trust in Jesus, and he clothes you. He covers you. He covers your sin. He covers your shame. The whole concept of the atonement is a covering. It's from atonement is the word kapoor in the Hebrew. It actually means to cover. It's the idea of the blood that is covering our lives with the, the life of, that was in that sacrifice is now covering me and on me. And we're clothed. Now, the picture, as we get all the way through, the typology is in the Old Testament. We see it come to fruition in the New Testament as we get all the way down to the end of the book. And we see in Revelation chapter 4, 4, 
around the throne were four for 24 thrones and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting and they're clothed they're clothed amen in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads so Jesus is saying this tonight look man Christian you have been taken care of from head to toe, from head to toe. You've got a white linen robe of the righteousness of Christ. You'll have a crown on your head. These elders, kings and priests unto God. Amen? God takes care of the grass of the field, so he will certainly take care of you. Now, Jesus says this. He says, it is the unbelievers who worry about these things. Look at the way he says it there in verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So Jesus says it's, it's, it's the Gentiles that believe about the, that worry about this. It's the Gentiles. It's, it's, it's in, another way, in another way of saying it, it's the heathen. It's the, it's the person who doesn't know God. It's, it's the person who is just out there, the, the person of the world that, that are worrying about these things, that are anxious about these things. And the contrast is to the Gentile, to the person of the kingdom. As a kingdom citizen, we've got some other things that are taking that place in our minds. We've got some other concerns. We've got some other focuses in our lives. And, and that's where Jesus brings it down to because there's a first focus. There's a first focus for the kingdom citizen, and it is this, seek first after the kingdom. Let's pick it up, verse 33. Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. As Christians, as kingdom citizens, our first focus in life is seeking after the kingdom. The command is this, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, the, the word Seek here in the Greek is it, it means this. It means to seek in order to find, to, to seek a thing, to seek by thinking, meditating, reasoning to, inquire into, to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive at, to seek. Uh, it goes on to crave, uh, demand something from someone. I don't think that's part of what Jesus has here, but the idea is looking into, seeking after that which becomes a, a part of our thinking. It becomes a part of our meditation. It becomes a part of the reason and the way we think. So when God, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, we're seeking in such a way that the kingdom now influences everything in our lives, everything about the kingdom, the fact that we have a king, he sits on the throne, we're his people, we're his children, we've been adopted into the family, we've been brought forth, we've been made a citizen of heaven, and because of that, we're to seek first the kingdom, and that now actually influences and touches on everything that we think about, that we do, 
that we go forward to do. We need to be concerned with the kingdom, with the things of the Lord. You think about the kingdom. You think about seeking first the kingdom. The verse is this, and, and, and if you've been around church for any length of time, you know this verse. You know this, but you're here tonight because the Lord said, hey, we need a reminder. Amen? You read the scriptures through. You're like, wait a second. Didn't I already read that? No, it's in there again. It's in there again. Why? To remind you, to remind me of, of the things that we need to be reminded of. A, a follower of Christ, a kingdom citizen, must settle the issue of priorities in his life. You've got to settle the priorities. If you don't, your life will be spent trying to, to, to store up things, focus on things, being anxious for things, worrying about whether something's going to come through, something's going to happen. And I know if you're just like me, I've been there and done all these things. We're professionals. Right? We are professionals at this. And Jesus says, I want you to be a professional about something else. I want you to be a professional about being a kingdom seeker, someone that now has the kingdom and everything that's been provided in the kingdom. That now is becoming the focus of your mind and your spirit. Seeking the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom. Now, this must be the rule of our life when ordering priorities. Yet I believe it's wrong to think that this is just another priority to fit on top of the list. Seeking first the kingdom isn't just, well, we've got our list, and now we're just going to, okay, Jesus, seek first the kingdom. Now we're just going to put that at the top of the list. No, 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 no. This influences and talks about everything that's on the list of priorities. This is not, the, this is not a priority. This is the focus of everything that is a priority in your life because in everything that is a priority in your life, the goal, the command is to seek the kingdom first in that thing that God called you to. So when you come to your work, you seek first the kingdom. When you come to your marriage, your relationships, you seek first the kingdom. The kingdom and how the kingdom operates is then how we're to function. When it comes to all the other things, oh wow, it's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven that actually sets our life right and correct. There is, there is no other philosophy. There is no other wisdom of man. There is no other thinking of anyone that's going to come up with a whole list of this and this and this is how you do it and this is how you do it. Facebook and all that stuff is filled with those types of things. Do this and do this, do this. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And then he says, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. The word first. Seek first. We talked about seek. We need to talk about first. It's, it's the word proton, proto, proto first. And it means this two definitions. The first one is this first in time or place. So, first in a sequence of events. The second is this first in rank, influence, honor, chief, a principle. And I, I really believe that that Jesus has that second definition in mind when he says, seek first the kingdom. He's not just saying, make it the first thing you do. He's saying, make it the principal thing you do. Yeah. 
Make it the chief thing that you do. Make it, make it the first thing in rank that you do in your life and allow a seeking of the kingdom to then change the way that you go about your daily life. Amen? How does Jesus want you to live? That's a, it's just a rhetorical question. How does Jesus want you to live? Seek first the kingdom. What does he want for your marriage? Seek first the kingdom. What does he want for your finances? Seek first the kingdom. What does he have for you? Seek him out. Seek him. And find out. Seek his lordship. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness. Righteous living. The righteousness that comes to us by a gift of Christ. Now what Jesus is asking us to do in this passage, I close with this. What Jesus is asking us to do in this passage, I believe, is an incredible thing. And, 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 and let's be honest. We can listen to this message and feel like, well, good job. That was a familiar passage. Really good. I, I, as, as I looked at this, man, if we actually just, like, took this to heart, how many ulcers would it save us from? How many arguments... How much strife, how much heartache, how much, how many problems? You know, Jesus, he's over here saying, you know, he's like, he's like the ultimate Google Maps. Like, you're over there with your own app, you know, trying to, well, I'm going to do it this way. And God's over here, well, I, I, I've, got, I've got a way over here to do it. If you do this, all that... All that other stuff, that's, that's going to be taken care of. That's all, that's all going to be taken care of. And uh, one more thing, one more thing. It's kind of like he's, he's not asking us just to stop worrying. You know, some people come to this passage and go, okay, I get it. We're just, we're just not to worry. And just chill out, right? You see, worry is, a, worry is kind of, it's in the emotional realm. It's, a, it's, it's people who are worried, like, if you've ever been around a really good worrier, I mean, they're good at it. I mean, they are, I mean, I'm good, but I mean, I've been around some people that are really good. I mean, they're, they are just good. They're pro. And, 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 and there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into it. There's a lot of that, that type of stuff wrapped up. And Jesus isn't saying, look, stop all that. Jesus is saying, look, I, I want you to stop all that, and I want you to do this over here. He's not just saying give up on this. He's saying give up on this and add this over here. It's actually been said that, that to change your behavior, you've got from one passion, one thing in your life where there's energy and there's, 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 there's you know, have you ever felt like, how did I, why, what am I doing? I'm making a case for why I should worry about things. I'm, I'm, I'm making a good case. I mean, if this was the court of law, I mean, it would be done, it'd be, it'd be like, yes, you have every right to worry about this thing. 
And you stop and you look at yourself, no, what, how, where, did, where did the passion, where did the energy come to, to do all that? And, and God's saying, I want you to replace that. I want you to replace all that that just wells up in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind. And I want you to replace it with this over here, seeking first the kingdom of heaven. It's like the best, it's, it, 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 it's, it's like the best deal. It, you know, second to the gospel, second to give me your dead Life that's going nowhere, and I'll give you a life forever lasting. That's the first best deal in the universe. And this is right in the top. I want you to trade out all that motion, all that energy, worrying, and I want you to trade it out for another passion. See, you're trading it in for another passion, a passion for the kingdom of heaven, for your life, for your family, and for the world. And for Melbourne, amen, right here on Croton Road, Lake Washington. And um, all right, one, one more thing, one more thing. I keep on looking for a place to kind of cut it off. But I, I, I got I to gotta just add this one more thing. The Marine Corps has a code, right? They've got a code. Unit, core, God and country, right? Unit, core, God, and country. Well, kingdom citizens, Jesus has given us a code. It's God, his kingdom, and his righteousness.